0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at soundtalentmedia.com.
1: That was the first time I ever seen hardcore dancing, and I was fucking mortified, terrified. Like, oh my god, I'm gonna die! I'm gonna hide in the back. I am definitely gonna die tonight. <laughs> and just, but it was like crazy because I remember watching it, and being like, dude, like people really care about this music, and like. Never did I expect from music, especially like just how much it means to me now looking back then, like not knowing how much of an impact it was going to have on me.
2: Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music and craft beer. I most certainly hope you've been having an excellent week. I most certainly have been. But guess what, people? It's Friday. We did it. Tomorrow's the weekend. And we are already entering the second week of March which as you may know is basically the one year anniversary of uh, the pandemic so so how are you going to celebrate i know what i'm going to do i'm going to enjoy some life metal and craft beer and uh, try to uh, reminisce on some of the best things that came out of the pandemic for me so uh, i encourage you to do the same Before we jump into today's episode, I would just like to encourage you to subscribe to the Vox & Hops Metal Podcast on the podcast platform of your choice if you have not already. But more than that, I'm asking you to rate it and write a review because when you do that, more people just like yourself will be able to discover the Vox & Hops Metal Podcast and that would be something that I would truly, truly appreciate. I'm also inviting you to sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast mailing list. You can do that on my website, voxandhops.com. That is V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S v-o-x-a-n-d-h-o-p-s.com. And when you do that, you shall receive one email a week containing all the details for everything that has happened in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast throughout the past week, including all the details for any episodes which I have dropped throughout that week. If I have been a guest on someone else's podcast, as well as the links for any upcoming live interview, Thirsty Thursday Virtual Hangs, as well as the links to the Brutal Awakenings playlist, which is available on Apple Music and Spotify and is curated by my man, Jerry Monk, the metal architect himself. Do yourself a favor, sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcasts mailing list. This is a party that you do not want to miss. Now, on today's episode, I am with Rob Wharton of Cognitive. Get ready, everyone. This is Vox and Hops, episode number 241. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed hey what's up everybody today i'm with rob wharton of cognitive he also runs fresh to deaf productions how you doing there rob as good as can be doing everything <laughs> absolutely yeah yeah and that's exactly where i was headed is uh, i love to throw this c- curveball question right at the beginning is how have you coped with 2020 uh that
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh
2: as he shows us his beer yes
1: it's uh it's something else man i i don't leave the house much i get my groceries delivered and everything man i go you know working home working home
2: <laughs> crazy that's actually something that i i discovered through the pandemic is ordering groceries online that i have not stopped i it, you know it saves a bunch of time i love it
1: I, dude i tell people even like when i'm done with this like when all this blows over i'm still gonna do it
2: <laughs> same same 100 percent the same
1: it's like five or ten bucks extra and you're like i don't have to deal with it and during this like the one place everyone has to go is go get their groceries. So, like, why am I going to go be around everyone I don't have to be around for an extra 5 or 10 bucks?
2: <laughs> Absolutely. It's totally not worth it. And the time. The time, uh, the time is, is is something that's so valuable to me. Uh, let's talk a little bit about beer, of course, because it's Vox and & Hops, and it's Vox & Hops is all about me hanging out with my metal friends and talking about their lives. Music and craft beer. What beer do you have on your side there, Rob? We're going to share virtually.
1: So I got, it's called Rails. It's from um, this local brewery to my area called uh acco brewing company and my buddy just started working there and i was on my way home and i was like yo uh y- you there and he was like yeah and i was like can i grab something from you i got an interview tonight and i was like can you just meet me outside with something he was like this actually don't come out till tomorrow oh i love it this is super uh advanced placement timing and all that so uh <laughs> we got their early preview right here so it's called rails it's a double ipa
2: beautiful love it on my side i'm going to be drinking dr porter which is a cherry vanilla porter from my friends from le fermata microbrasserie it is a super metal ass metal brewery from here just outside of montreal in l'assomption and uh, i love them to death uh, it has the whole christmas wax top going on i'm gonna p- crack this up and let's talk a little bit about while i open this up uh, you can talk about that beer what you think about it and then uh, tell me about uh, if you're a craft beer enthusiast
1: it's actually way better than i was ready for <laughs> i was ready for it. i was ready for anything at that point um it's funny i didn't get into the craft beer stuff until probably the past year or so because i've always been a hard alcohol guy and i recently like really discovered i do like the ipa taste i used to be all about just like guinness i used to drink guinness 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 and uh cherry wheat sam adams but uh One of my good buddies got me into the IPA stuff recently, and I was like, wow, this is, like, really good. <laughs> and it's funny, because for me, I get tuned up quicker off of beer than I do hard alcohol, I notice. Really? Yeah, I could slam captain. A- nope. Cheers, yes. <laughs> so I realized that I can definitely throw back more hard alcohol than I can with beer. Like, if I have three or four beers, I'm like, all right, I'm done, guys, or else I'm, I'm going to be puking.
2: Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> It's so much more bloating. That's why. This is great. The the cherry the vanilla really comes through. The Dr. Pepper Porter. This was aged in bourbon, I forgot to mention. Uh, They just started their aging program, Le Fermatar, and uh, I've had a few, and this one is really good. So to keep your eye on, if you can get it, people, Le Fermatar. very cool. Go for it.
1: Uh, If you got to go to the most... Bottom of the barrel beer that you can stand. <laughs> what do you go for?
2: Um, here in Quebec, I go for a La Bets Saint Count is what I would drink if I was uh, really stuck and super thirsty, and I needed to have a beer for some reason. But that that is my go-to uh, big market
1: beer. Yeah, yeah, my buddies make fun of me because I'll be like, "Dude, because like I just got recently like started like actually enjoying beer." i'll drink anything when it comes to beer i'm like dude like if i can drink an ipi i will but like they make fun of me i'll be like dude i'll drink a budweiser they're like it's terrible i'm like i don't care eh, it's beer <laughs> so i'm new to it in the grand scheme of things so i'm definitely can't like have my beer snob nose on like yeah dude i'm too good for this or that
2: there's definitely been nights on tour that that we dip into the the bus reserves after we finish our our, our craft beer, and, and we're like, don't judge me. <laughs> don't judge. I remember one time we were on an off day, actually. It was with Belphegor, and the only beer that was left was a warm Coors Light, and me and Chris Donaldson and Ali Pinar of Cryptopsy were sitting outside the bus in a parking lot I believe it was in Ontario, California, if that place exists or if my brain is just crazy. It was definitely just outside of L.A. And uh, we were drinking this warm, warm Coors Light, and it was just so bad.
1: <laughs> the other day, actually, we were like, I'll drink some Silver Bullets. I think i seen you guys on that tour. That was with... Uh Panzerfaust? Was it, were they on? Yes, there?
2: yes. My my Canadian boys. Yes, yes. I remember the venue. I remember the show. I remember everything about that day.
1: Yes, it's terrible. That venue's in danger right now. Really? Yeah, Voltage Lounge is struggling. We just... They started doing a petition because uh, that's... 10 years been there that building
2: yeah it was a cool cool little venue i I definitely enjoyed that i definitely remember everything about that day i did the typical jog to to the rocky statue (laughs) (laughs) i really did
1: (laughs) Dude, you guys you guys had a killer that was probably one of my favorite i've seen you guys four or five times i've only seen them with you actually but i think that was probably my favorite time seeing you guys i've seen you there i've seen you at champs Senior summers sells else and then I, we played with you guys at Maryland Death Fest.
2: Yes, yes, also one of my milestone shows. I love that gig. Definitely a big, big, big place in my heart, that gig. Uh, let's talk about music. Uh, let's go back to your youth. When you were growing up in your parents' and guardians' house, what music was playing when you were not in control of the music? What music did your parents or guardians listen to? My
1: dad never had an interest in music at all. Really? Yeah, my dad was like... If we got in the car, like sometimes he would turn on the radio and it would be like oldies station and like, I didn't want nothing to do with it because thank God I would get in the car with my mom when and I'm 37, I would get in the car with my mom and she would put on the radio and it would be Alice in Chains and Stone sure. Temple Pilots. So like that was my radio stations growing up. And that's, you know, there's some of my favorite bands to this day, you know, Soundgarden and all the stuff that was on the radio at that, except for Nirvana. <laughs> I'm not a Nirvana fan, but everything else from that era was like on the radio at that time. And that's what got me into just music, period. I would hear that. And then you go through the motions. You you know, you find Metallica and then you find that next band, and it was kind of all that. And then I think like my first extreme metal bands, like Super Death Metal, like Death, Dying Fetus, and Cephalic Carnage were probably like my first three real death metal bands I found.
2: What would have been that first band that was your band that you cherished that, that you, you realized that there was more to just what your mother was listening to?
1: Either Alice in Chains or like getting outside of what my mom had on it was probably Metallica because Metallica wasn't like something she really listened to because it mm. wasn't on the radio much at that time.
2: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Delving into the older stuff. Myself, I was the same. It took me years, years, even to this day. I'm not huge on Nirvana. I don't get it. It's just one of them bands and like like don't get
1: me wrong, like I, I know they did a lot for music, but mm-hmm. for me it just never captivated me. There's a lot of bands out there. People make fun of me all the time. Like I, I was never uh I never caught on the motorhead was a band that I never caught on to. And people are like, Why? Like how
2: do you like motorhead? I'm
1: like, dude, it just never grabbed me.
2: <laughs> Let's talk about shows. Do you remember that first show that you went to go see, the first live music experience?
1: My very first show ever was I went to go see uh incubus and 311 wow that was my very (laughs) first show attached to voltage lounge is the electric factory and that was my first show ever in philly
2: really wow
1: and that was like my first show i think my second show was offspring and cypress hill Hmm. and then i then it was like i somehow stumbled into metal shows and that was it (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> do you remember that first experience in a metal gig and seeing a pit and and what what was your your feelings towards that i remember my first was, was just absolute horror and fear <laughs> honestly
1: <laughs> because my first like real metal show that i remember going to was um this band agents of man zayo god forbid who at that time was like my gateway into metal bands like that was like the determination era of god yeah man huge life changer for me and then e-town concrete headlined and for me it was wild because like we had all always known about push moshing you know shoulder shoulder that was the first time i've ever seen hardcore dancing and i was fucking mortified terrified <laughs> like oh my god i'm gonna die i'm gonna hide in the back i am definitely gonna die tonight <laughs> and just but it was, like, crazy because I remember watching it and being like, dude, like, people really care about this music. And, like, never did I expect for music, especially, like, just how much it means to me now, looking back then, like, not knowing how much of an impact it was going to have on me.
2: Mm. Just the, the the rabbit hole. So deep. So slippery. I'm sure you
1: remember <laughs> that, too. Just being like, dude, like, this is awesome.
2: <laughs> it was super intriguing, right? But, but I was terrified. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, dude, I was right Terri- there with you. <laughs>
2: Well at what point did you start playing? What what why why are you in a band now? How did this all come together?
1: It was just so I'll never forget this. I got like my first real guitar for Christmas and I think I wanted a PlayStation. (laughs) I didn't get the PlayStation, I was like really mad. I was like, damn it, I really wanted that PlayStation. (laughs) And it's so funny because like I look back and I'm like, dude, I'm so glad I got a guitar. Um And it was just like, you know, I I remember, like, I was in a new metal band for a while. And then started playing, like, more death metal bands. And I was just like, dude, I love this. I love this. I love this. And then, you know, started doing the weekend tour stuff with some of my old bands. And then it just kept getting into, like, I got to go join a bigger band, another bigger band. And it was just like, this is fun. This is fun. And then, like, you start seeing, like, I never thought I would leave... Our area, let alone, like, go around the country and the world at some point like we have. You know, so, like, I I love it. I love it. And then, like, I guess that bleeds into me, like, being like, oh, I'd love to start, you know, like, when I help book tours and throw shows, like, I was like, I can help people. And I can help people from a musician standpoint where I'm like, I I can benefit the venue. I can benefit the band's playing. And to me, I love the community.
2: (laughs) Absolutely, it's something very special and it's unique, and and it's not something that transcends necessarily into other genres.
1: It's that, and, and what I think is really special about metal is, is like, and it goes even for you, like, you know, you're you, you are in for what most people would consider a legendary death metal band, and like, and inspiring, and you're still in. The, the community and the groups on Facebook and all, and you're, you're talking to everyone. No one, for the most part, is ever too good to just be like, I'll talk to this guy about the first Morbid Angel record or, you know. <laughs> dude, I, I, I remember first time I ever met Flo. Actually, that was another time i seen you guys on obituary tour.
2: Hell yeah, that was so much Joe fun.
1: Joe is a very good friend of mine. and Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And I remember... I talked to Flo about Candiria for about forty-five minutes. Yeah, he loves them. Oh man, him were are I was like, that was so important because that was the first time I ever met him, and I was like, that was so awesome because like I was—he's t- my favorite death metal drummer of all time—is Flo, and I was like talking to him about my second favorite metal drummer ever, and no one knows about Candiria, so like to me, I was just like. So many people are like that, though.
2: Absolutely. But, you know, even if you're in a legendary band, we're we're still just all guys, and you know that. And that's why why Vox and Hops works.
1: But it's just funny because, like, some people are like, oh, dude, like, you don't think that people would be like that. And I'm like, dude, like, most of us still have jobs, and and we're just like, you know, like, we just want (laughs) to hang out with the boys. You know what I mean? (laughs) That's what it comes down to and talk about sports or whatever. Like, but it's cool because, like, when you're younger, you don't think that.
2: No, no. It's it, the especially back then. I think it's less so now with social media and all of these stars being so transparent with their lives, or transparent to the extent that they want to portray of their lives. So, so you're getting a glimpse into a someone you idolizes life much more frequently and more transparent versus back in the day when it was all an enigma.
1: Right. Yeah. Maybe you would write a letter to the guy, you know, and send them your demo cassette. <laughs>
2: because he wants to hear it
1: yeah and obviously the demos are the best (laughs) everything
2: after the demos is terrible one one, one story that i have heard though that of exactly something like that happening is uh alex O'Byrne was on tour in germany i believe and uh mohammed gave him the the necrophagist demo tape back in the day yeah yeah i don't know if it's true but it's a story that i have heard
1: that's probably worth a million dollars right now. It probably is.
2: <laughs> Maybe it's got some 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 unreleased material that everyone would want to hear. <laughs> like I said on a gold mine. Uh do you remember that first show, your first time on stage when you played a gig?
1: Uh yes. I, well, no. You know what? I can't say I remember my very, very first show, but like I can remember like my first couple like impactful shows to me where I was like, wow. And it's like it's funny because even like you're saying, like you can remember your first show when you're younger, but like even as you get older and you've been doing it a while, there's still shows that you're like, I'll never forget that. Like you said, you played Marilyn Death Fest, You're like, I'm never going for- to forget this.
2: No, it was a pure moment of joy and accomplishment.
1: I can't remember my exact first show, I don't think, but I can like, there's definitely shows I remember. I was like, that was really special or important to me.
2: Very cool. the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to VoxandHops.com slash and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxenhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. Let's talk about, you mentioned that the Voltage Lounge is in trouble. Uh, a new question that I've been throwing at people recently is, when do you realistically see touring coming back?
1: Uh, safely, I would love to say late summer, early fall of 2021, at least being the test area of maybe these bands are going to do it and it's not a dumb idea versus, you know, people trying to do it now. It's like not the smartest thing to do it right now, obviously, you know, uh, I would love to say that, but I I don't know. I mean, you know, obviously over here, we're starting to get the vaccines distributed and all. So I guess we're in that let's wait and see phase before anything happens. But uh, my heart pleads for the small bands to the big bands and all the venues and all the staff and the agents and the management and everything. Man, it's it's hard
2: a hundred percent of the crew members too, all the people that normally work in these small venues that they can't even work in now when they're not on tour with the band. So support your local things. You love people. If you want them to be around, buy some merch Do do whatever you can to support, support the things you love.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I do think that um, when this, when people feel safe again, I think there's going to be a newfound uh, resurgence in the love for going to shows. And I think you're going to see less of the, I wish I went to that show because now it's going to be I went because we, you know, a lot like do for me, like aside from playing shows, I try to go to three shows a week when I can. Like, I love love it, man. I love it so much. And for me, like, I've been mega depressed from this, but like, I just know that I think there's going to be people that are like, I realize what I missed out on now.
2: Hmm. I, I can't wait for that first intro. You know, I I would love for it to be Crown of Horns, and just just to watch a pit go. And I know that that first one is going to just be so intense. You know what
1: I want? You know what I want? If I could be there for your first show, the first song hitting live, and I, and I don't remember if you remember me and you talking about this before. I want to see in the kingdom where everything dies, the sky is immortal. Because me and you were talking about. I've never seen you guys play any uh, Once Was Not Material, and I would love it. I would
2: love um, it. We we've pulled out we've pulled out some stuff recently, but um not that track, and I I do like that track, so so we should, we should. Ollie, Ollie Pinard is our setless master. So so we'll see. We'll see. I, I would like to, and I'm super stoked for stuff to come back, of course. I totally miss that vibe, everything about playing a show, the little butterflies. Beer Luckily, being
1: spilled on you by some guy, <laughs> you know, all that
2: stuff. Maybe not that part, but <laughs> unless it's a craft beer but uh (laughs) i'm lucky i get to fill the void of not going to gigs not not performing by doing these interviews i get that little sense of excitement right before i start am i prepared enough is the guy going to connect is the person going to connect how are you filling the void
1: uh so i I hate to throw this out there because everyone's been doing it we had written a new record so that was been a big focus for me this whole time was Okay, because we had canceled, I
2: think four tours. Yeah, yeah. You guys were gonna you were gonna go out with my boys in half,
1: hail half. We were doing that. We had uh, we ha- we had a European tour. We had to cancel. Oh shit! Yeah, it was, we and we had ordered merch for all of it. We were like, we order it now. Uh. uh We had a full U.S. tour and a Canadian tour, and all of it had to get canned. And th- that's nothing, you know. And fans have lost a lot more than us this year. But uh, when that all happened, I said, you know what? Full steam ahead on the record. Let's just focus on that, and it, and there was no okay. Well, we got to worry about this show or that show. It was literally every day. I would just wake up, practice, write, go back to the drawing board, and that's been it.
2: So you have to you 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 wake up just you know. I remember the somber moment when when everything crashed in March. And, and, and I was depressed for about a week and a half, two weeks. And then you just got to start the engines and, and push that creative energy into a positive direction to keep the ship moving.
1: Yeah, I'm a big fan of the saying, uh, if you're going through hell, keep going.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you can't stay there.
1: So that that's always been my motto for when I'm going through tough shit. So for me, it was just we've got work to do man like still got to do it you know some way and it was different for us because we've always been a let's get together practice write stuff together rehearse on the side and there was none of that everything was written from our houses sending each other files back and forth and stuff the last time we had had a band practice was february wow okay and we just started in the studio like three weeks ago with no band rehearsals at all (laughs)
2: Well, how how, what tell me the impact of that? I'm curious. Uh, You guys are so normally used to being in shape, knowing the tunes, and being a trained professional, which you guys are, but a rehearsed professional versus coming from the house. What was the big challenges with that?
1: It was, uh, it was more just like I know where I'm at with the record. I hope this guy did his part, and no one knows, (laughs) you know what I mean? Because we've been, you know, we've been very proactive and mask wearing not being around anyone and it was like okay we've all been safe you know we got tested we're, we're avoiding stuff we've got to be in a room together to record wear our masks but it was we haven't seen each other play <laughs> so it was just get in there and it was like wow the drums sound really good so and it was like us playing guitar and it was like this is going better than we thought like everyone did their homework and our bass player like it's his first record with us and like he just recorded uh, yesterday, was his first day recording bass with us. And we went in there, and we we're like, you know, I hope he's going to do good. I trust him. And he went in there and blew our minds. Absolutely blew our minds. And it it's really. It's going to be the
2: singer. It's going to be the singer's He's going to be dragging his feet. No.
1: <laughs> Honestly, I- I'll give him credit, man. Like, I love to break his chops, but he is probably the most prepared at all times to do his stuff. And he takes his vocal seriously. I'll give him that. He's not the guy that's like, oh yeah, I'll just get in there and scream when it's time. Like he's always like, I gotta make sure my shit sounds good.
2: Good. Yet I'm just teasing, of course. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I'll make
1: fun of him. It's fine.
2: <laughs> so, so what? What is this new album? What? What can people expect? Is Is it a, a an evolution? Is Is it a, more of the same? What, what, how would you describe this new album?
1: Um. Everyone's always gonna say the new record's the better one. i i think it's our best artwork like everything that we got so far like and i and i've been a big fan of all our album arts but this one like really impressed us the album i think it was just more mature in the fact that like we were all like let's cut out some of this the like really dumb stuff we do like just to do it whether it was Let's make a tech part just to be super techie and flash. Mm-hmm. Or l- let's get rid of the super heavy slam part that's after another slam just to be heavy and see kids mosh. And it was like, let's really take our time and write everything meaningfully and just really get it done well. And I think there's a lot of different stuff. Like I think we really like honed in on like some surreption vibes, a lot of ulcery, artificial brain stuff. Hell yeah. And I think we got back to some of our slam roots when we do get disgusting. So, um, you know, I, I do think our vocalist, like, really, he's got so many voices, and I think the way he tamed it down, in a way, is going to make the music stand out more. We all had, like, a lot of input on each other's parts, where we everyone was just super hard on each other about stuff, and I think it really made me feel good yesterday, starting to hear the bass and everything, and I was like, I'm really proud of this. Good. Yeah. Because for me, like, I want people to love the band, and I want people to love the music, and I want it to be that... That record that goes, you're going to go on tour with this big band or that big band. Like, everyone wants that. Everyone wants that. But I was also like, if that doesn't happen with this record, I'm happy with what we produced as musicians this time. Like, I think more than ever.
2: Very cool. Very cool. Give a shout out to that artist that you love so much that made the artwork.
1: It's Pedro Cena. He's uh, called Lordigan Art. Uh, he did our last record, Major Side, and he, he really knocked it out of the park. And he had it done really quick.
2: Very cool. Very cool. Uh, if you could, if, if you know, the cards all line up properly, if you could plan a dream release tour for this new record, does it have a name, this new record? I can't say it yet. Okay. Uh, what bands would be on this tour? How many bands are we doing? Oh, a typical nice tour package. You know, so like, say, four bands with you guys.
1: Counting us. Okay. It would, hmm. I would probably say, this is me, probably say... And how big can I go here? Or are we being realistic? It's
2: it's it's your release tour, so.
1: The headliners probably would be something like Meshuggah. And then it would probably be Arch Spire and Cryptopsy.
2: Oh, that, that'd be a fun tour. I'd like that. Not
1: the dick ride. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it would be something like that.
2: Very cool, very cool. Uh, I've been wanting to play with Wormed for far too long. I think I only played one show with them in, in oh, I know this. In Gotham Gotham Fest in, in I think it's in Slovenia. I might be wrong. Someone will slam me in the comments if I'm wrong. Please. <laughs> <laughs> Let's How talk dare about being a manager. Know. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you not remember every show you played?
1: <laughs> we we got to our first tour Cogn- for cognitive was with this band actually. We toured with Wormed. Really I love them. I love them. Dude. Mm-hmm. Fucking amazing band. I love that band and they were really good guys. We had a great time hanging out with them
2: Absolutely. Let's talk about fresh-to-death productions. Let's talk about being a manager being a helping booking shows Uh, What excites you in that and obviously now it's a bit more quiet on the show front But are you still involved very much in the manager side?
1: Yeah, I mean I manage half, you know um, uh, I manage wormhole a bunch of other bands. Um, I, I I love it because For me, it's important to be able to help the bands out when you're in the trenches with the bands yourself. You know what I mean? Because you're like, I know what I need on tour, so let me get this band. on, And vice versa, I like being able to go, I'm a promoter, so I don't want to sit there and tell a a promoter that a band needs $6,000 when they're only bringing
2: $1,500
1: worth of business in because at the same time, you know, then I think that makes it burns bridges with bands where they're like, dude, I'm not, go- the promoter's not going to bring that band through. Or then the promoter might not ever be able to recoup from a show like that if they lose their money and then they can't throw a show again. And that only hurts the community. So, like, for me, like, no, I'm not saying I'm the cure for anything in this. I'm not, please don't ever think that because I'm not, and I'm not perfect. <laughs> but I think that, that, like, for me, that was my mentality of getting into the business end of it. And uh, for shows like, I definitely only do stuff that I'm like, I can help somebody else out. Like, um, I remember one time cattle decapitation had a date fall through, and I had like two days to book it. And it it sold out, and it was awesome. And I was like, I was able to help them. Uh, I did that for like uh, artificial brain before they needed a tour. Actually, I wear them right now. It is. So, like, for me, like, I try to do it mostly if I can help someone else, like, last minute, date fall through, they need a routing date, but, like, I kind of veered away from just throwing, like, show I used to do them, like, once or twice a month. Now I do it if it's only something I'm super passionate about where I'm, like, I need to book that tour. Like, I need to do it or somebody's like, needs help.
2: Hmm. that's amazing i love it there's a lot of stress that comes with it obviously yes yes i would never ever ever want to be a promoter
1: (laughs) dude it's got its ups and downs there's parts i love and there's parts i'm just like sometimes i'll be throwing a show and i'm like oh my god why did i do this (laughs) (laughs)
2: let's go to the atm but
1: (laughs) dude i i I think maybe knock on wood maybe i've lost like maybe a hundred bucks twice really good for you thank god thank god but I always, I, I've always been a guy that's like, I'm not going to bite off more than I can chew. Like I, I've told plenty of people I can't afford that, and there's, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'm not going to lie to someone, tell you I can give you this much, and then it's, I got to pay pal you in three weeks and make. No, I hate that shit. Yeah, 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 <laughs> and that sucks because you need your money then. You know, I get it, but you know, at the same time, that's where there's times, there's no way I can do it. I can do this much, promised, and if there's extra, I'll give it to a band. Like, I, mm-hmm. you know, what I mean, I have no problem being like. Here's your back end. You can have every red cent that comes in after your guarantee, but I can't promise X amount of dollars. There's just no way. I got bills to pay.
2: <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. And that comes with maturity, I think, as well. If you could brew a collab brew for Cognitive, what style beer would it be, <laughs> and what would it be called? It's
1: so funny because I'm, I just had this conversation with somebody the other day, and I, it's so funny because I'm so well prepared for it. It sounds like <laughs> I've been waiting for years. I wanted to do a cider beer. And call it Matricider. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it works.
1: <laughs> and th- that was uh that was th- that was the goal. We were actually gonna try and do it with a buddy of mine's brewing company, but like it takes so long to get it done and produced and the cans and all, and then it was like, dude, this that record's gonna be too old by the time we can make this happen, so it just never <laughs> happened.
2: <laughs> you have to start thinking about that next one, the mystery name. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it worked for that one, man. We were like, "Dude, that would like that would be like a really cool, funny thing." And it just
2: unless you release it when there's a, a an anniversary coming up. <sighs> I hope, dude. I can't wait for any kind
1: of anniversary show.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Let's wrap this up with one last question. It probably never happens to you because uh, you know. You seem to know what's going on, and you're in control of everything, and you know your limits. But every once in a while, it happens to everyone. What is your hangover cure? God. I, I'd love to say never drinking again, but
1: that, that, that saying never <laughs> sticks for anyone.
2: Um, we all think it, though.
1: Yeah. Oh, oh, <laughs> it's usually um, sleep, especially if we're on tour. It's Sleep, drink water, and tell everyone to leave me the fuck alone for probably 12 hours. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't have, and maybe McDonald's. (laughs) It's like an oil change. It's like an oil change for you.
2: (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Rob, thank you so, so much for taking the time, sitting down with me, talking about your life, music, and craft beer. I had a great, great time, and I'm looking forward to this new cognitive material that's coming out. Cheers. Thank you, man. Cheers. Cheers. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. I had such a great chat with Rob. What an excellent human, super funny, down to earth. I love that he plays on both sides of the musician. And the show production and management side, I love talking to people like this, people that wear many hats, people that are involved in many different areas of what it means to be a metal musician. I think that's very cool, and uh, I'm excited uh, to get back on the road and to hang out with Rob again. Get ready for that new Cognitive People. I'm super stoked about their upcoming record, and you most definitely should be, too. If you enjoyed this Fox and Hops episode, you should absolutely take the time to subscribe to it on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, you should also rate it and write a review because when you do that, more people just like yourself will be able to discover the vox and hops podcast and i would appreciate that greatly you should also sign up to the vox and hops metal podcast mailing list you can do that on my website voxandhops.com that is v-o-x-a-n-d-h-o-p-s.com and when you do that you shall receive one email a week containing all of the details for everything that has happened in the world of the vox and hops metal podcast throughout the past week do yourself a favor sign up to the vox and hops metal podcast mailing list Trust me, this is a party that you do not want to miss. The Vox and Hops Metal Podcast is brought to you by Sound Talent Media. I most certainly hope you have a wonderful weekend. I am looking forward to relaxing and uh, reminiscing about this past year. Because as I mentioned in the intro, we are now at the one-year mark of the pandemic. So let's reminisce. Let's try to focus on the positive and let's have a good weekend. I'll be back next week with two episodes, but until then, remember to enjoy life, metal and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops hits.
0: This is Krista makes guitarist and vocalist for less than Jake and host of Krista makes a podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest,